0: Hi,
1: I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. In today’s podcast, I'm going to be interviewing Sean Stevenson, the creator of the Model Health Show, which has been featured as a number one fitness and nutrition podcast on iTunes. When Sean was twenty years old, he was diagnosed with an incurable disease in his spine. He was told that his spine was that of an eighty year old man and deteriorating fast everything was failing his life his relationships school until he had a major mindset change while remembering something his grandmother said sean and i explore the role of the mind in healing our bodies the fact that food isn't just food it's information for our brain and our bodies the dangers of the prescriptive diet industry and the problem of getting healthy food to everyone But before we begin, I am so excited to finally announce that we are going to be back in person for my end-of-year mental health retreat in Dallas, Texas, December 2nd through 4th. This year's conference is all about helping you manage your mental health and clean up the post-COVID mental mess. I'll be doing sessions on trauma recovery, healing anxiety, unwiring toxic thinking habits, and more. Plus, we will have amazing speakers VIP workshops, swag bags, and so much more. It's really going to be practical with techniques and tips to help you manage your mental mess. And we will be offering CMEs and CEUs. Early bird tickets are on sale now till July 30th, so don't wait. Get your tickets now at drleadconference.com The link and details will be in the show notes. And just a quick reminder: this podcast is for educational purposes. If you have any medical needs, please consult the appropriate medical professional. Back to today's podcast. Sean, it's so good to talk to you again. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. And I we had such a great conversation before. So I'm really going to enjoy talking about your side and what you deal with. I've got your fantastic book here, Eat Smarter. Love the cover. It's so good. And I love the fact that you talk about use the power of food to reboot your med- metabolism. I'm all about rebooting the brain. So I love that. Caught my attention. Upgrade your brain, obviously caught my attention, and transform your life. So we speak the same language from different angles. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. And that's why, of course, I love talking with you, as we definitely speak the same language.
1: For sure. Absolutely. Well, you wrote this amazing book, but before we start, just tell us, just tell my viewers and listeners a little bit about you. They've heard your bio, but... Just from your side, tell us something that's not in your bio as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that I would be least expected to be in this field doing what I'm doing right now. You know, at this point, I've got two, like, you know, Eat Smarter is already a national bestseller. Sleep Smarter is an international bestseller. I had no idea I'd be writing books and working in the health space. I always thought that I would be, you know, playing football, playing college football, and, you know, hopefully making it to the pros. That was kind of my aspiration coming from where I come from, which is, you know, essentially in an area where there's you know, a lot of poverty. But the reason I even hesitate to say that is that poverty here in the United States is very different from poverty in the rest of the world. Like you still probably got a TV or two, you still got a clunker to drive. And true story, my mother would get cars from a, a car dealership called OK Junk Cars. That was the name of the place, I swear. So we'd like run one to the ground, she'd go back and get another. Anyway, so I'd never seen anybody in my peer group, I, I didn't know anybody who ever went to college, let alone, you know, but I would know like a, a, a friend of a friend, like his brother went on a football scholarship, you know, so that's what I always thought I would be doing. And everything was going great in the beginning. You know, I ran a four five 40 yard dash. So for folks that watch the NFL, that kind of stuff. So this is like NFL combine. I was just 15. I was a kid when I ran that time. And so I was doing that, excelling at track, but in track practices, the first Hurdle. I'm just gonna throw a little pun in there, where I where it directed me into what I'm doing today because I was at track track practice running a two hundred meter time, trial, and as I was coming off the curve into the straightaway, my hip broke. So I broke my hip just from running. No fall, no trauma. It hit me was in football. Just my iliac crest just broke off, and I didn't know what happened. I thought it maybe you know pulled a muscle. I don't know. I'd never been injured before, and so. Now, here's where things get interesting is that I went through what's called standard of care, all right, where you get some NSAIDs, you get some crutches, you know, maybe you might get some fancy ultrasound treatment, which by the way, sound as a treatment, that's a whole other different conversation, but nobody stopped to ask, how did a 15-year-old kid break his hip from running? What are the underlying conditions that would enable something like that to happen? And long story short, you know, my aspirations for playing at the next level were really diminished quickly because I couldn't get back on the track very long. I couldn't stay on the field. I've literally got game films over in my closet right now where I'm like breaking away. I'm like running a sweep, which is like a run to the outside. And I'm five feet from the end zone. And I literally just fall. My body breaks down. I like injure myself running again, you know? And so, you know, long story short. When I went to college, fortunately, I was a scholar athlete, student advisory, GPA, all that stuff. And I, you know, when I went to college, academic scholarship, and it was in school where, and I haven't shared this with you before, but, you know, I, be, coming from my environment, the only example that I saw of like somebody successful was like watching TV, you know? So like seeing the Cosby show or something, and I'm like, that looks like, you know, a doctor is a good idea. Let me do that. You know, so I went to this private university with a great pre med track. And fortunately, fate kind of had other plans for me in a sense, because I realized my very first semester that I hated science. I absolutely detested it. I couldn't stand it. I would have this reoccurring nightmare about this biology class. And, you know, but what it was really was the way that I was being taught. It didn't connect, it was not visceral. And this is a big reason why I do what I do today. To make people just light up and understand that this kind of external thing that you're learning about is a universe happening inside of you, you know? But anyway, so I shifted my coursework over to something else. But this is when I get this ultimate diagnosis of a degenerative bone disease, degenerative disc disease. So my spine was just breaking down, low bone density. That's what was happening back when I was 15, you know, the early warning signs of this. I didn't pick it up. Nobody stopped to ask until I'm like in debilitating chronic pain to herniated disc. And I'm just a kid. I'm 20 years old. And this is where it kind of ties into and why I love your work so much. I was even reading some of your book again today. Like, it's just, I shared this with you that sometimes you, you, you know, a thing, but you'd never articulate it mentally or you never see it articulated. And when I went in to see my physician at the time and, you know, Again, I'm 20 years old. I'm coming in there. I used to work with my football trainers and I have this condition. He puts the MRI up. He's like, you know, you have this fill in the blank condition. And so I'm immediately like, okay, so how do we fix it? And I'm just like, let's go. Like, we know. Yeah.
1: What do we do to fix? Yeah.
0: He looked at me like kind of with pity and he said, I'm sorry, son. You have the spine of an 80 year old man. Like, this is is incurable. This is something that, you know, you're just going to have to live with. I'm so sorry. And it didn't register the first time that he said it. I literally just kind of repeated it. I was like, oh no, I asked him this question, which I have no idea where it came from, but I've been inspecting my mind a little bit more since meeting you. And like, because it came from somewhere and I asked him, does this have anything to do with what I'm eating? Should I change the way that I'm exercising? And he, he literally looked at me like I had two heads, like I was from another planet. And he kind of cocked his head to the side. He said that this has nothing to do with what you're eating this is something that just happens and there's that is ignoring basic tenets basic principles of causality relativity we can go on and on nothing just happens you know and so but in a little sidebar he was obese himself and i grew up you know i was the after this point you know there are these kind of glorified quote fat genes but even that not everybody has the activation of the fto gene for example but for me you know i come from a family if I have, we'll just say 30 family members, 28 of them are obese. It's just, again, it's the environment, it's where I come from. And so I'm seeing this with this physician and he's telling me that I can't be healthier and he's not healthy right now himself. But what he did was he implanted this idea. Irony. <laughs> right. It's this is poetry I didn't even think about until years later, but what I it, what it experienced at the time, because I went in there with the chronic nuisance of a pain to chronic debilitating pain within a couple of weeks. And it was the nocebo effect, right? The nocebo effect. And a lot of folks don't realize this is that on average in clinical trials, we have to account for the placebo because they're so effective. On average, they're somewhere around 33% effective in clinical trials. Just the belief, just the belief that this drug is going to lower your blood pressure, normalize your blood sugar, break down a cancer tumor. Heal your meniscus. We've got data on all of this stuff now, but a nocebo effect is the opposite. This is when you get a negative injunction that something bad is going to happen. This is incurable. You'll never walk again. You have two weeks to live. And I have worked with patients all over the years who've gotten the same diagnosis as me and seeing it consistently again and again and again, it's the people who decide to not take that on as their story. Unfortunately, I didn't take it up. I I did not in the beginning. I took it on. Because that's the thing about where it's coming from, from an authority figure, is it bypasses your rational thinking, you know, the more executive parts of your brain. You just
1: accept it. You just accept the label and you think that's who you are. And it's like you were saying, the placebo effect and placebo is 33% effective. You're actually finding it's up to in certain studies now that they've redone the trials up to 80% effective. Up
0: to so, 80% effective.
1: I mean, that's like, and then placebo. yeah. So sorry to interrupt you there, but I just want to under, underscore the fact that what you think.
0: Yeah. It's so powerful. Every, every thought that you have creates correlating chemistry in your body, you know? And this is, again, why I, I love and appreciate your work so much. It's so necessary. We have no idea. We're walking around with the most powerful pharmacy in the universe in our own bodies. And I say activated that Activated your
1: mind. Yeah.
0: Activated your intentions. The, the difference is outside of the, pharma, the the pharmacological model is the fact that it's made for you. Like these are chemicals you're producing for your receptor sites. It's like tailor-made designer drugs you're making in your own body based on your perception of the world. When I was inundated with the belief that, you know, there's nothing you can do about this for the next two years, oh goodness, it was a nightmare. I literally, I spent at least 23 hours of the day sitting or laying down because I was in fear of standing up because of the sciatic electrocution feeling would shoot down my leg. And I was embarrassed. And now my fat, my quote, fat genes, which again, that's debatable. That's a whole other thing. But anyways, my, the conditions changed that I gained weight. I gained a lot of weight. So now I was, I was walking around at like 170 pounds. Now I'm like 200 pounds. And I literally, I don't share this very often, but my little college apartment, I had this little couch. And I, it was so small and just flimsy and just a terrible couch. I carried it by myself. If you can carry your couch by yourself, it's not a couch. So, but I broke the couch with my, I was so heavy. I fell through the couch. That must've been so
1: upsetting. That was like a eye opener.
0: And it, for me, it's just like, I see that's not who I am. I was always this athletic, you know, the, 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 the football guy, you know, and just like now here I am falling in pieces. But here's the the end of the story because obviously there's a, spoiler alert there's a there's a good ending. But it took for me, and I want to implore everybody to consider this portion because there're going to be times in our lives whether we wanted to or not, we're going to get some news that we don't like. And if you ever get some news regarding yourself or a loved one as far as your health is concerned, I'm a big proponent of making sure that you get other opinions, but not just an opinion of somebody who's coming from the same place who. For example, we'll just say, you know, you get diagnosed with, you know, you're a type two diabetic now, and now you're going to get, you know, you're on metformin, potentially insulin. Before you take that step, if you didn't come into the place and you're literally just, a, you're about to die, but now you're just in for a checkup. What I want to do is if, if the person that you're working with is not on the same page with you and has the same goal as you, you need to get another perspective. So if your goal is to not be on metformin because you did you weren't born with the condition something happened, seek out somebody who agrees with you. Like, hey, you know what? You don't have to be on this medication if you do these things, for example. So get different opinions before taking any radical treatments or or surgery. So in my case, I was facing a surgery.
1: I'm so excited to finally announce that we are going to be back in person for my end of year mental health retreat in Dallas, Texas, December 3rd through 4th. This year's conference is all about helping you manage your mental health and clean up the post-COVID mental mess. I'll be doing sessions on trauma recovery, healing anxiety, unwiring toxic thinking habits, and more. Plus, we will have amazing guest speakers, VIP workshops, swag bags, and so much more. And we will be offering CMEs and CEUs early bird tickets are on sale right now until july 30th so don't wait get your tickets now at drleafconference.com the link will be in the show notes when we think of health we tend to think of exercising regularly eating right and getting eight hours of sleep but you know mental health is just as important as physical health and i know it can be hard to talk about some of the stuff that's why plush care makes it easy to connect with a doctor wherever you are whenever you're ready Flashcare's Care's primary care physicians are here for you seven days a week to help you start feeling better as soon as possible. In addition to handing ongoing and urgent care, they also treat a wide range of common mental health issues like anxiety, depression, stress, or even trouble sleeping. So if you're feeling down, worried, or not like yourself, you can book a same-day appointment and see a Plush Care doctor right from the comfort of your home using your phone or computer. They'll discuss treatment options with you and have your prescription sent to your local pharmacy as needed. Plush Care accepts most major insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states. Plush Care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself, inside and out. Start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash Leaf and start your free 30-day trial. That's p-l-u-s-h-c-a-r-e dot com slash Leaf for a free 30-day trial, plushcare.com slash Leaf. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. That's very good advice. You know, Always get those multiple opinions, get more than one perspective and different types of doctors. And so important that we don't just because not everyone knows everything and things are That's changing true. so much. And for doctors to also most try to keep up, but it's impossible to keep up to date with everything. And then most doctors, well, doctors are not trained in mind. So they right. not they not trained to understand that impact, and a lot, though a lot of them are realizing it now. I mean, I get daily, I get emails and texts of doctors reaching out to me, physicians saying, "Hey, there's more here than just me being an endocrinologist or me being a, a you know hepatologist or someone. At least they, it's mine. What, how do I help my patients with their mind? So, thanks for bringing that up, Sean. That's a very, very valid point.
0: That's where the whole show is, you know, and that's the unfortunate part. And I know that. This is why, again, another reason I appreciate you is the level of frustration you must be able to manage to know that the very basis of our system of healthcare is ignoring the most important thing that controls everything. So as I'm going through and really understanding this more and more, you know, and, and understanding that if we don't become aware of these things at some point, many people live their whole lives without knowing this. But so for me, at the, at the end of the story, I I actually did. I saw three different physicians I saw fourth and, but they were coming from the same cloth. They all told me the same thing. I'm sorry, son, this is incurable. Here's some new medication. Everybody gave me another prescription and everybody gave me more bed rest. And the crazy part is I could walk still, but they were giving me a permission slip for me to not do anything.
1: Oh gosh. Like the worst thing they could do.
0: And so it wasn't just my spine that was going to atrophy. Now, everything really, you know, because your body really does work on this use it or lose it basis. And so, but everything changed. Really, this is a crazy thing about when you actually make a decision. It's not that it it happens instantly, but it's just getting yourself to the place where you make it. And I realized this entire couple of years, and I, I love sharing this with you because you really understand this. I had this habitual thought process that I was, and there's this, I talk about this in Eat Smarter, actually, it's such an important concept of instinctual elaboration. This is, your brain is always asking questions. There's always a question and seeking for answers. Like your brain, questions are the answer in a sense. And so my habitual question was, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why won't somebody help me? And so it was just sort of like my brain was just filtering out data to affirm your why mind, my life sucks.
1: Your mind, not your brain, your mind. Yes. Because your brain's telling your, your mind's telling your brain what to do. Your brain's just going, oh, what, 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 you know? So your, but your mind's doing that. So that's where we have got to remember the power of the mind that's wired into the brain. So it's activating that network in the brain that we've established through habit.
0: Yes. Ah, oh, this is so cool because again, it's that language. And it's underst- because even as I'm saying it, I'm seeing something bigger than the brain, right? And that's what I mean, it really is. that gives is. you
1: hope. It is. It's bigger than the brain. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what you've said there is key because it's bigger than the brain. Because what, what you said there earlier on was you were saying the brain has habitual habit, which is what, pe- that's the language of today. But I know you understand, that's actually the mind. And we've got to realize the mind changes the brain. So if, if it's the brain, we feel hopeless. But if right. it's the mind and the mind can change the brain, you can then- that pattern that's, that has been living there for longer than 63 days. So that viral net, that wire network is in, wired into the brain. And it's the mind that is activating that is undisciplined. It's messy. You have to get the mm. wise mind to recognize, Hey, this is a bad thinking pattern that I've wired in. I've got to capture that and I wire it out. And that's, sort of just, that's kind of what you're saying. We've got to realize that's what we need to do. Otherwise you exactly. feel helpless. The language of today is sometimes very helpless. There's this, I get this all the time when people are talking to me. We discussed this before as well. People talk about, oh, there's this immediate response to the, the limbic brain and the instinct and the survival brain. And as so though brain, you you say that language, you've removed hope from people because it seems, oh, well, it's, that's going to take over. If that's activated, I've got to, how do I ever train that? But you've got to use your mind to recognize that that's the only reason that that's happening is because a path was established for longer than 63 days. So you just got to basically find that root cause and unwire it, which is a lot of work, but it can be done. Yeah,
0: exactly. And that's what's so and beautiful about- it. Yes. and But some many of us accidentally do this, you know, and that's the great part about what you do is it's not, it's not a matter of, of capability or capacity, it's a matter of training. And so oftentimes for many people, you know, especially in the space of people who are really kind of just the front line of these different fields, you know, so for nutrition, or for, you know, mental health, whatever it is, those folks oftentimes go through their own stuff and they have these revelations, you know, especially in the health space, oftentimes, like it was a rock bottom moment for me, you know? And so at that point, I, I kind of for, I felt forced to change the way that I was thinking. And so instantly after maybe a day or two after ta- seeing this last physician who told me again, he, I can't do anything, he can't help me. I realized like, wait, everybody's telling me they can't help me why don't I help myself? You know, like it was the first time in all of these years that I ask a different question and I ask, what can I do to feel better?
1: That's your wise mind. you remember we spoke about the wise and the messy mind? And here your, your mind was the authority figure, the doctor was giving you the information that they knew. That was their best that they could offer you. But your wise mind was questioning that and saying, hey, there must be a better way.
0: Yeah, so powerful. And again, we all have that, Just it's an innate thing. And and when I asked that, I asked, you know, what can I do to feel better? What can I do to get healthy? And my life changed in just the next couple of weeks. It was like a complete transformation took place. I slept through the night for the first time, which that was the biggest struggle for me. Those years was sleeping because the pain would just wake me up every so often, sometimes every 30 minutes. It was a nightmare. So I was on medication for sleep. I was, you know, so now I slept through the night and when, if you're not sleeping well, you're not healing well, but I started to sleep good. Oh my goodness. I got better so quickly, but I'll just give a quick summation of what I did, which was.
1: But Sean, I don't want to, I just want to quickly interrupt you before you sure. do that. Cause I want to hear the summation, but what you said there was so powerful. I just want to make sure that the, that the listeners and viewers got that, where you said that you realized that everyone's the doctors were all telling you this one negative message and you decided, well, they weren't trying to be toxic. They weren't trying to speak toxicity. They were coming from the level of knowledge that they had. But you realized instinctively your innate wisdom said there must be a better way. And when you made that decision, within a few weeks, there was radical change. You started sleeping. Now, you're not taking new medications. You weren't doing any kind of new regimen. You had just changed your mind. You had yes. taken the power back. You had seen this obstacle that you were going through, in this, this physical obstacle in your body. You had seen this. This can't be the only way there must be something that I can do and there must be another way. And that mind decision changed your whole neurophysiology that you started sleeping and felt better in two weeks. And I, I wanted to stress, or two, three weeks, I wanted to stress that the power of the mind, that's phenomenal. Yeah. What a great that's story. So,
0: that's so perfect. And this is, this is the other aspect of that as well, is I started to see things that were there the whole time. Right, This whole time, because I was so focused on n- n- no possibility, I can't, everything is bad. I was missing, everything was already there and available. The right books, the right resources, the right mentors, everybody was already there. It was just me being attuned to it. You know, so that's that's part of the process of how I got better. It wasn't just like, you know, I'm all of a sudden, I'm just well, and I'm drinking Slim Fast shakes and everything changed, which was the first thing that I did, ironically, because I was like, I need to lose weight. So I was drinking Slim because of the commercials, you know, marketing, which there was, it was terrible and it didn't work. But one of the big revelation moments was very simple principle. This is a very simple thing. So I have this condition, this diagnosis where I have a degenerative spinal disease, right? So my disc or degenerate bone density is low. I asked this very simple question. I asked, what are my disc made of? What are my bones made of? You know, and so uh, one of the really interesting things about the human body and why I love this field so much is that, and it's another missing tenet in our conventional healthcare system is that your body is made from the food that you eat. It's literally made from the food that you eat. You get to choose what you make your tissues out of.
1: And your mind makes that food build into your body efficiently. So if your mind's negative, you won't get that building. Right that building energy that you need, that food should give you, you can lose up to 80% of that energy that's required that you need from the food to build your body if your mind's not dry. So you are getting your mind right to get the 100% nutrition from that food.
0: Yes, we, we got to talk more about that too. This is something I talk about in Eat Smarter. So the assimilation factor, but now I'm asking, okay, what am my disc made of? And lear- learning about little things. And me, I was still in college at the time. So it just shifted my coursework back to health and nutrition, all this stuff. And so the discs are, they're, they're not, they're considered to be non-vascular, which is still kind of a little bit of a misnomer, but nutrition, hydration doesn't get there through the normal process. It's kind of like this process of remote diffusion, yada, yada. But the bottom line is you really need to super hydrate your system to ensure that your body, your, even through the day, your disc get get dehydrated. Your body has a priority, literally, it's like a, a hierarchy of needs. Like your brain is top priority, you know, your blood. So it will even siphon minerals and even hydration from your bones, for example, which is crazy. You know, so here's the thing. So I started to understand what my, what my discs were made of, my bones. And when I asked the question about the bones, all I knew about was marketing from television, which was calcium. And so now I find the right books and the right mentors saying, hey, there's these 20, 30 other things, you know, for example, one of them was omega-3 fatty acids is actually... increase your bone density, which I had no idea. And I was deficient in all this stuff. So the key word, why I reached this level of poor health was in the environment that I was in. This is a true story. I didn't eat a salad until I was 25 years old was the first time I ate a salad in my life. I never ate it. I ate fast food every day, processed food, every meal. And some people might think that's impossible. Like they don't really understand. Most Americans are operating very similar in that paradigm. I was the extreme case for sure.
1: And also, but that was also part of a systemic problem of low income. You know, that's where we're seeing that that kind of diet is very much a low income diet. So you're seeing that I've written books about this as well, where you're seeing that we, in the time in history, we've got people that are obese, but they're nutritionally starved. You know, you've got that paradox occurring and that this is a systemic problem. It's in poverty-stricken areas that you're seeing this in the worst worst scenarios, these worst scenarios.
0: One of those things, for example, just, if it's just like, well, why don't you eat healthier? You know, if I go to the the local grocery store and I want to get, you know, an apple and an avocado, I could easily pay, you know, $4 for those two items. Whereas for $4, I can get an entire value meal, you know, like I can get two, I can get two, I could feed two people on a fast food menu for that four, that same $4. So it's just, it's, it's it, we're getting into the conversation of, You know, but the question is, how is that possible? And a big part of that is how our economy is structured.
1: Exactly, it's a systemic problem. Mm
0: -hmm. That's that's the thing because to make that happy meal is so cost intensive. There's so many factors required to make that possible. Where we have an apple that you know can just fall off a tree, you know. But this goes back to, and again, this isn't giving. Blame necessarily because it might even have a, a good intention to start with. Same thing with my physicians. It's not, it's not that we're trying to be malicious, it's just the level that they're operating from. So it might have started with an intention to feed American citizens, but it's the government subsidy programs. And I went and investigated because it needed to be talked about. And so JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association, did a meta analysis. They went to track the pathway of the government subsidized foods, the stuff that's largely showing up through the drive through windows, the corn the wheat, all of these things that provide the most money, large, the vast majority is for making processed foods. And so they track the consumption of these government subsidized foods. And what they discovered was that folks who consume the highest amount of these government subsidized foods, largely low income families, have a 40% greater incidence of being obese all right, so we see this direct connection.
1: And I'm so glad you brought this up. I wrote a book a few years back called Think and Eat Yourself Smart. And I had dedicated a whole section of the book to what you're talking about. And it's something that we have to address. And this began 40, around 40, 50 years ago, the industrialized food movement. And, yeah. I, and I questioned the intentions behind it. There's always a good intention, but there was a lot of bad intentions too. There was a lot of, it was very financially driven. You know, and but that's another whole conversation. But I'm so glad you've raised this point. We have to change. That's very core cool, to changing what is happening with the way people eat.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, and the people that I grew up with, we didn't know. I, I've never met in my clinical practice. So I've been in this field for 20 years, over 10 years as a clinician. I never met one person, not one, not one who didn't want to be healthy. Not a single person. It's just for, for many people, it's more so you know, the, a state of learned helplessness, or it's an overcomplication, or it's it, it, the belief that they can't be healthy.
1: Exactly. Or it's not access to, they have to maybe drive, get in a bus, and five buses to get to a, a grocery store, store that actually sells that apple and that avocado, whereas they can walk to their local takeout and for $4 buy a meal for the whole family. So it's the way the the cities are structured, you know, and it's a massive contribution to the fact that people are dying between eight to 25 years younger, which is something we discussed when you interviewed me, that the way the mental health system is structured and the way that the food system is structured, they both change around the same time. You know, so you're addressing that whole industrialized food movement and how it's been, it's been very structured and people don't talk about it. You know, more people are talking about it now, but it's, as you say, it's something that we need to create awareness of. So you've raised a very important point.
0: Thank you. And especially coming from, you know, getting access to this kind of information. So accessibility is one, as you just mentioned, but also education. So I didn't know it was possible. I didn't know that food mattered. I didn't know that there was a difference. You know, I just, it was, I just thought it was just stuff you eat. You know, I didn't know the difference between a fish stick and, you know, wild caught salmon, whatever the case might be. And so now I start to get this education and this is what's so powerful about the work that we're doing today. And even with Eat Smarter, you know, this had a national wellness campaign with Target stores. And so it's every Target store in the country had it there in their little middle console. And so people get to see it that normally don't see this kind of information, you know, and also coming, I'm, I'm from it. So it's leaning another voice and another perspective because it's going to take a comprehensive adjustment, you know? So, but to, to get back to my point of the nutrients. So once I found out about the key nutrients that I needed to literally make me which you need to provide your body to, with these raw materials, it's kind of like building a house in a sense, you know, it's like you're going to build your porch out of, you know, some, I don't know, some bubble gum and sticks, you it's know, it's not going to work it. very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the three little pigs just pop into yeah, my mind. There
1: like, we go. Exactly. It's going to get blown down very fast. Yeah.
0: That's right. Especially when the big bad wolf comes around. So this is for me, I was really looking at how can I make myself out of these really powerful, sustainable things. The first thing that I did though, let me be full disclosure. I started doing the allopathic thing, which was I need a pill for it. Right. So I started becoming a natural pill popper. Right. So now I, so I know that I need, you know, I need chromium for this. I need, you know, I need selenium for that. And so I'm just taking all of these supplements. Number one, being a college student, wasn't going to work very long on that, on my budget. Number two, finally, I realized like, and I, it was because I came across a study and it was actually done on racehorses. So, and I don't, I don't talk about this very often, but it's popping up. So what they wanted to do, because within the, and this is a whole, this is a billion dollar industry, like billions and billions of dollars in play. All right. So first of all, second of all, if a horse breaks a bone, like that is, that is serious problems. Like you can be out tens of millions of dollars easily. And so they wanted to find out how, how they can increase the horse's bone density. And so they, they ran a study and they gave they had a control group of horses they did nothing with. Then they had a study group that they gave them supplements. So, like, you know, nutrients that are required for, you know, building bone, bone density. And those horses did have greater bone density. But there was another group. There's a group of horses that they walked as well. And so the horses get to walk, they get to, you know, eat some grass and like live a little bit more normal, horsey life life, their bone density increased even more. Part one is, you know, getting some, you know, natural food in there, but also movement that increases assimilation as well if, with nutrients. And so, but for me, so I started to think about things differently. Like this story is much bigger. So how can I assimilate these nutrients better? And I started learning about different foods, like biopotentiators, things that make stuff absorb better and things that go together. And so I started to eat, i started to find the foods that these nutrients were contained in. And after, over the course, after I made that decision, it was about six weeks later, I lost about 18 pounds. And my pain that I'd been in a nightmare, I'd taken a nightmare pill for the past two years, was gone. That was the biggest thing. Nine months later, I got a scan done. My two herniated disk had retracted in, into the proper position, and the degeneration was gone. I could see my disc, the light shining through there. But through that process, people were coming up to me at my university because. I didn't look like a person who lost weight. They saw me, right? But I I didn't look like a person who lost weight. I looked like a person who was alive. Whereas before, if I see pictures of myself prior, and it was just magnetic. And so, like, my professors became some of my first clients. Like, my low hanging fruit was to become a strength and conditioning coach before I became a nutritionist. And so, my professors were my clients. Like, they would stop me leaving out of class. Like, what did you do? And at first, the, I remember the first guy who asked me, I thought I, I thought I did something wrong. Like, he stopped me. He's like, what did you do? I'm like, what? He's like, you look so healthy. And I'm just like, oh, okay, okay. But, you know, my fellow students, faculty at the, at the school. But working at a university is such a, a gift as well, because I had to work from, with people from all over the world for, you know, whatever that was, 10, 10 plus years. So, yeah. and So, so you worked became, at so
1: it. Did, did you become employed at the university or was this doing no, this on no, the...
0: This is a big thing that I, I really stand for is, it's really, it's, a, there's a big lack of education and as you talked about earlier in conventional education, it is, it's, it's a wild, it's, there's a large degree of, of miseducation actually that's taking place. And so I'm so grateful that I, you know, took a different track after I graduated, I opened my, my clinical practice and I just got to work. And you know, but all the while I was still—I I just loved being in the gym. So I worked as a strength conditioning coach at the university. Still,
1: so they still knew so. you there. Okay, so you said something. Yeah. I just wanted to interrupt for one second to re- re-emphasize a point. You said that something that is so critical in this current day, when everyone's got a diet, everyone's got a diet book, and everyone's talking about body body disor- uh, you know, eating disorders. And there's a huge fight, as you're perfectly aware, I'm sure, going on at the moment between you know fasting and this and intuitive eating and and how it's contributing to a lot of body image issues and, and eating disorders. And there's been so much mis- in terrible, terrible misinformation given. And just in, from in my line of work, eating disorder treatment has been 95% ineffective. If you look at the research, it's, it's not working because it's it, you have to deal with the mind first and you have to deal with basic principles like you're talking. You had to understand that innate wisdom in yourself and then get the in, get the knowledge and the information and the resources to be able to make the changes in your life. And you weren't getting that from all the traditional sources. You were starting to find that from other sources. But the key thing I wanted to say is that people said, so based on all of that, people didn't go on about your weight as much as they said, and that really caught my attention. This is why I want to say this, is people said, you're looking so much healthier. Now, that is such a good mind statement because there's so much around weight, like people saying, oh, weight loss, and then now you've something special, whereas if you're overweight, there's something bad about you. You know, so we've got to get away from that language. So to say you're looking so much healthier is such a much healthier statement to make. And that's what, so I love that people said that to you. They didn't go on about, oh, you've lost so much weight. They noticed your glow. They noticed your health. They noticed everything about you had shifted. Now that should be our goal, not to go and be become a skinny person. You know, that, that kind of extra, it should be healthy. And it's so bio-individual as well. You know, that, that yeah, kind of attitude fair. is going to be very good to be, to fight against the whole counterproductive movement of you've got to get thin. You know, the whole, that's been the message for so many years, all these, di- like slim fast to get thin, weight watches mm-hmm. to get thin. It's right. not getting thin. It's getting healthy and it's getting yes. your mind, the mindset behind the meal, which is what I talk about all the time. It's to get that mindset behind. What you're eating, but it's looking healthy. So I just wanted to emphasize that. So,
0: yeah, it's powerful because really with, with weight loss. So, first of all, our perception of nutrition or, or diet here in our culture is largely tied to weight. That's one of the things f- coming into it. So, I specifically wanted to target and reframe it, but in a really, really powerful, kind of visceral way, you know, because food is so much more than just about managing our weight. And that's one of the big issues. And so in Eat Smarter, we do focus on, so the first part of the book, we focus on the very best nutrition data around metabolism. But for the first time in book form, in a way that makes sense, that's for the average person, I take people behind the curtain and teach them how metabolism actually works. How do fat cells work? How do they you know, store energy? How do they empty their content? And one of the, here's one of the little sidebars, by the way, lipolysis, which is, you know, the fat cell releasing the stored energy, that's not burning fat, that's releasing fat. It needs to be transported to the mitochondria and actually burn, that's beta oxidation. Most of the fat through lipolysis, so if you see a study saying, you know, this increases lipolysis, about 75%, upwards of 90% of the fat that gets released from a fat cell gets reabsorbed, all right? You've actually got to employ processes to get into the mitochondria. And then the question is- You just said
1: a key but, thing that you've got to employ processes that get the fat cell that's been released to the mitochondria to be used but otherwise it's going to get reabsorbed and that's not what people are talking about so nutrition needs to get the fat cell to the mitochondria
0: that's right and that comes along with you know movement practices with with sleep because another question is where does fat actually go when you quote burn it where does it go does it go to an alternate universe like i'm just demystifying the process you know and so we have that part but then we dive in and talk about Giving food, it's its real its, its respect because metabolism is just one piece of it. Also, your nutrition has a direct, powerful impact on your cognitive performance, on your sleep quality, on your relationships, your ability to have empathy and connect with other people. We've got massive data on this now. So really bringing to bear. So now when I make this food decision, it just isn't about trying to lose weight. It's just making me better. It's like making me and better. And that's mind. At-
1: so sorry to interrupt you, but you're talking about mind because everything that you've said, you used your mind to recognize from the beginning that that was not the necessarily the necessarily the message that you there was no hope. So you used your mind to challenge that process. You used your mind to get the knowledge. You used your mind to actually move forward with your decision to educate yourself. You moved your mind. You used your mind to learn. You built knowledge into your brain. You studied and researched and found out and got the knowledge. That's all mind. Mind is what helps you to read a book and understand the concept of how to get lipolysis, fat release from lipolysis into to the mitochondria because they don't just go into an alternate universe. That was mind that was driving that. So you were going mind, 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 mind into everything. So you use mind as first cause for everything to get the knowledge, to make the not accept the decision of you're going to be constantly ill for the rest of your life. But you actually get the knowledge to change that and then you apply that knowledge. All that's mind-driven. The decision to not accept, the decision to get the knowledge, the decision to apply the knowledge, and the decision to grow, mind. That decision is you with your mind, your wise mind. You know, so there's the mindset behind every meal. And I also, I mean, I know we discussed this before, I think, in, when you interviewed me about how if you don't, if you're in the wrong mindset and you're eating a great, healthy, clean meal, you can lose up to eighty percent of the nutrition because the pancreas, for example, won't secrete the twenty different neuropeptides required for assimilation of the nutrients into the you know the whole process. It's one tiny part of digestion. But if you emotionally worked up, if your mindset's not right, as you're eating that healthy, it's not the processed meal, but the healthy meal, the clean food, that 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 avocado that's got no GMOs and that kind that's not GMO coming from a GMO farm, and basically if your but if your mind's messed up you can lose up to 80% of that nutrition. People aren't talking about that, Sean. So what you, from what I'm hearing you say, you you, talking, you are talking about mind. We've had almost a 45-minute discussion, and you're only now bringing up concepts of food, but yet this, yet you've written a book about food, yeah. and I like that. Because the same thing with my book, Think and Eat Yourself Smart, which is you called Eat Smart, and my book was called Think and Eat Yourself Smart, the one that I talked about food. It's mind, and then with your mind you get the knowledge. So go ahead.
0: That's the, thank you so much. This supersedes everything. It starts with that. And I love the fact that you keep bringing it back to that and your your work is based on that because that's the ultimate truth, you know? And so there's so many studies now, even analyzing the nocebo effect. You know, one of them, this was published in Frontiers in, in Pharmacology and the title of the study, Nocebo Effects and Negative Suggestion in Daily Clinical Practice. And then another one, this was a peer-reviewed study 2012 reiterated how negative suggestion by healthcare workers can have significant neurobiological effects and incite symptoms of illness, turning on the symptoms of illness. And so what we're talking about, we've got that aspect, but then on the other side, and this is what I love as well, you mentioned this earlier, what we really want to strive for is to encourage health and weight loss can be a side effect, right? But if we're making weight loss the goal, we can... We can continuously find ourselves implementing practices that are not healthy, and they're not healthy for, for, for supporting our mind, which is exactly. really driving mental
1: distortions. Shit. Exactly. You get all those mental distortions coming in. And then obviously, as you're eating the healthy food, because your body and brain are the organs through which your mind works, it's got to be healthy. You can't throw your computer on the floor and expect it to work. So it is important. It is the feedback loop, but if your right. mind's got to make the decision to feed the brain and body so that the brain and body can feed back into the mind so that you get that really super healthy feedback loop going.
0: I'm such a visual thinker. When you said, throw your computer on the floor, like I had a whole, I pictured you doing it like a rock concert, you know? No, one of the things, so we've got mind is really governing everything. This is, it starts with mind, but in nutrition and in health, my very first day in my nutritional science class, I was taught that it starts with the calorie. The calorie is the, the calorie is the boss. The calorie is the warden of the metabolic prison that we find our, ourselves in. And if we can manage, my, my, my teacher told me the very first day if you manage calories, you can manage your weight. And again, my, my teacher was overweight himself. And he was doing this is the thing it doesn't, it doesn't mean that he wasn't a good person or that he wasn't well intentioned. He was doing the thing that he was teaching, but it wasn't working because it's based on a false premise. Not to say we can use calories just as a metric. But when we give it governorship or we give it ownership for our health, this is where we get into big problems because even when the calorie was, and this is one of the funnest parts of Eat Smarter is we go through the history of the calorie. And back when it was invented, first of all, nobody was looking for an energy metric in food. This was back. Can you imagine a time when people just ate food? They just ate food. without all of the other, but this is when food was food. And so back in the 1800s, when, when it was first identified, and there's a debate about, I go through the different people who had, a, who had something to do with it, but it was, the calories first used in physics and engineering, it had nothing to do with nutritional science. It made its parlay into the world of nutritional science, thanks in large part to a guy named Wilbur Atwater, which he's become a bit of a, of a side note, but we do use the Atwater system on product labeling today, which is nothing more than math. They're not measuring calories in the food. They're just doing math. Let me tell you that. So that's a whole other conversation, but who really popularized the calorie and made it a part of our lexicon, a really deep part of our culture, so deep in our, in our, in our cellular memory, is a woman named Dr. Lulu Hunt Peters. All right, Dr. Lulu Hunt Peters, definitely a pioneer. And she wrote a nutritional bestseller in the early part of the 1900s. It sold over 2 million copies back then, which is basically like anybody who can read had this book, right? It had to do with the key to the calories as part of the title. And what she did was she impressed upon the culture, because this is when people are starting to look at like, now we're eating all of these, you know, factory farmed grains. And like, now people are starting to worry about their body image and their weight. She really worked to impress us upon culture that from this moment on, and I'm just going to quote her, I'll paraphrase a little bit, you will no longer eat food. You will eat calories of food. And she asserted that you no longer eat a slice of bread. You'll eat 100 calories of bread. You'll no longer eat a slice of pie. You'll eat 350 calories of pie. A woman of her height, if she just maintains a, a diet of 1,200 calories a day, she will never have to worry about her weight. Side note, she struggled with her weight her whole life, all right? But the principle was identified, and now this is when food made the shift from being this multifaceted dynamic thing that literally makes us up to just being numbers, because when I say that food reductionistic, makes you up, you know, reductionistic, exactly, it's what's happening with brain science. We love to do that. We love to do that and start, and then we start to. Well, I, I might come back to that, but here's the thing: when I'm talking about your body's made of food, I'm talking about literally. I know the top cardiovascular surgeons in the world. I know the top, you know, neurologists. I know the top gastroenterologists. These are all my friends and colleagues. You can go to school for 12 years, and you you'll be a gastroenterologist. You deal with the organs that specifically deal with the digestion, assimilation, and elimination of food. And, and this guy, award-winning gastroenterologist shared with me, he learned about food for the equivalent of about two weeks. And it wasn't anything that was actually palpable and, and, and real. It was more like, if your patient has this deficiency, this rare B9 deficiency, do this. The organs in themselves are made from food. So the cardiovascular surgeon, he's treating the heart. The heart is literally made of food and he, he's not t- that's crazy,
1: and, and it's driven by the mind, and they're not taught about mind,
0: Houston, we have a Neuro, problem
1: exactly. exactly <laughs> but even mind, thank mind you. is
0: going to mind is going to guide us, of course, once we understand this this is the most important, powerful tenet to being able to even utilize food to do the thing, right? so the, 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 the lining of our arteries, the the our veins, the blood running through our veins, it's all made from food. It is a top priority. Now, with that said, so it goes from being this powerful entity that literally becomes us to numbers. And if you can manage these numbers, you can manage your weight. And so, what I did was, we've already impressed upon culture, we're gonna keep doing this to shift this conversation because we can use it as a tool and a metric. And some people can find success in managing calories, but it's such a small percentage, but they might stand up on the soapbox. And oftentimes, these are, quote, weight loss doctors. Who again, some of my colleagues and they get into this place where they start to bad talk. And I've been there behind the scenes and talk down to people who aren't managing their calories. Are you in a caloric deficit? Are you in a caloric deficit? I've seen people on a thousand calorie diet for a month coming into my office. They've got hypothyroid condition. Their blood sugar is 300 and they're doing the thing, but the doctor's treating them like they're lying. And they can't and their their weight won't budge. It's it's not understanding what I want to share with you guys really quickly. I'm gonna share a couple of these, these epicaloric controllers. All right, epicaloric controllers. The I've got seven of these factors clinically proven that actually control what calories do in your body. Now, mind controls everything. So we can just leave that as a tenant over here. But let's use let's use the brain for example. So researchers at Yale discovered that there's this really powerful connection with, you know, well, many folks know this already, but I'm going to share what they discovered. But there's this connection with the brain and the gut. You know, we got the vagus nerve, for example, it's kind of that super highway. But what they discovered was that hypothalamic inflammation. So inflammation in the brain is a major causative factor for metabolic diseases. So it's a causative agent in obesity. And obesity is a causative agent in neuro, in neuroinflammation, hypothalamic inflammation. Your hypothalamus is Governing your metabolic rate. It's the master gland that's governing the rate of calorie burn. And your your hypothalamus, it can literally tell your gut to reduce the absorption of calories from your food or increase the absorption of calories and other nutrients from your food. Not based on whether you're in the calories or not, based on your brain's perception of whether or not you have sufficient supplies in your body. All right. That can be changed by your mind. Let me talk about mind for a moment in relationship, because this is a part of the book that I don't usually talk about. I, I'm so grateful because I could talk about this with you. So also researchers at, at Yale, and this is another aspect as well, there's also Harvard that came together for this and they wanted to see what would happen to your metabolism based on your beliefs about a food, all right? And so what they did was they blended up a batch of milkshakes, all right? And so the milkshakes were all about 380 calories of milkshakes, but they did something interesting. They slapped one of two labels on each milkshake. One of them was a 120 calorie label and it labeled sensible milkshake, a sense of shake, 120 calories "sensa shake. And then on another one, they put a label on it that said 620 calorie indulgent milkshake, even though they were both the same amount of calories. So it was actually, I'm sorry, 160, 160 and, and 620. Now here's what happened. When they pass out the milkshakes and people coming by and getting the milkshakes, Again, they're, they're all the same amount of calories, but the response by the body was very different. The folks who consumed what they believed to be this indulgent, very rich, indulgent milkshake, their levels of ghrelin, which ghrelin is one of our major hormones involved in hunger, right? Signaling hunger, but it also has other metabolic responsibilities that I talk a little bit more about in the book. Because when ghrelin is active, we actually have an, an, an uptick in our metabolism. So our metabolic rate, because it's kind of driving us like hey we're starting to use some energy in here maybe you should go seek out some more just in case kind of thing. So when people had the indulgent milkshake, their ghrelin levels dropped as if they had something that was 3 times more calories than what they consumed. All right? So their body responded in this very interesting way. Now here's the uh, this is the most important part. The people who received the low calorie sensor shake, their ghrelin levels barely budged. They barely changed at all. It's as if they had nothing. And so they're not, even though they just took in 380 calories, their body is just like, well, I didn't really get much from it. This is just this low calorie, nothing. And so with that hunger, not being in check, it's going to drive us to potentially go and eat more food. And so, and this was all based on a belief. That's it. The belief changed what the metabolism was doing. Mindset behind the meal this is where we're at, you know? And so that's that governing force, but then let me share uh, one or two really quickly, other epicaloric controllers. So we've got, so we've got the hypothalamic inflammation. So your brain is an epicaloric controller, which is, shouldn't even be left out of the conversation in the first place, but another one, and this is something that I've been saying for years, a lot of nutritionists have been saying this thing, especially if they're really, if they're really about that life and really doing this work, you know, that this is true, but we get so this tunnel vision, but the quality of the food itself has an impact on what the calories do in your body, right? So people would say this, it's not just the calories in, calories out, it's the quality of the calories. No, truly, now we know. And so this study, this was published in Food and Nutrition Research. And what the researchers wanted to do was to find out whether or not a meal of processed food versus a meal of whole foods, at the same amount of calories would have an impact, a different impact on the metabolism. And so what they did was they gave one set of test subjects, well, they actually, everybody got both both of these, but they gave them first, everybody got what they deemed to be a whole food sandwich, okay? So this was whole grain bread and cheddar cheese, right? So these are wholer versions of food. And then they gave them processed food sandwiches, which was white bread and cheese product, Okay so if you're wondering what cheese product is, that's Kraft Singles, for example. There's not, legally, they can't call it craft Cheese. It's craft Singles. It's not of cheese in the cheese. But anyway, this whole other subject. And so here's what, what happened. When folks were receiving the whole food sandwich, again, this is the same amount of calories, same amount of fats, proteins, and carbohydrates. It should have the same metabolic response on paper. But when people ate... The processed food sandwich, they had a 50% reduction in calorie burn after eating that sandwich. All right. Listen, what happened was it effectively created these metabolic clogs that made their body more stingy at hanging on to that energy it just consumed. Right. And so this is not accounted for in these conventional calorie conversations as so many people are struggling. They're pulling their hair out. They're going crazy. They're trying so hard, but they believed, they believed that their, What's wrong? It's their fault and it's not the framework that they're operating in.
1: When it comes to mental well-being, there are many little things we can do every day to help us feel less stressed and more at peace. And one of my favorite self-care practices is wearing a favorite item of clothing or jewelry, something I know best expresses who I am and how I feel during the day. This is why I love Anna Louise Jewelry. Their unique and gorgeous pieces like their pearl drop hoops which I am currently wearing and their pearl necklace which I plan on matching to my date night outfit tonight are made using recycled materials whenever possible as well as transparent business practices that are kind to the earth. Their sustainably crafted pieces not only bring joy to those who wear them but also to those who make them and with their summer sale they can bring you joy too. You can now save up to 20% at shop.analuisa.com Dr I love how Ana Luisa consistently proves how elegance and luxury do not have to come at a great cost to us or the planet. All of their prices are fair, with jewelry starting at just $39. Not only can you save up to 20% at shop.analuisa.com slash But they also make it so easy to find the pieces that allow you to celebrate you with new collections released every Friday. I absolutely love everything they sell. All of their pieces are simple yet stunning and you'll find yourself reaching for them every day to make your outfits shine. I highly recommend checking out Anna Luisa. I love them. Their pieces start at $39 and you can get 20% off with their summer sale at shop.analuisa.com slash drleaf shop at a-n-a-l-u-i-s-a.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. Did you know that protein helps your neurons talk to each other by producing neurotransmitters? Yes, it's true. Protein is not just about building muscles. It's essential for your brain and mental health. And, thankfully, with Ritual's new Essential Protein, you can always be sure that you're getting the right amount of protein for your brain and body based on your unique needs from the multivitamin company you know and trust. Ritual's incredible team of scientists from Harvard have reimagined protein from the ground up and inside out, from how it's made to who it's for and why it's needed. The result is a delicious plant-based protein offered in three premium formulations for distinct life stages and unique nutrient needs, and all made with the same high standards approach and commitment to traceability that Ritual is known for. For tomorrow, as much as today, Ritual's essential protein is made with nutrients to support bones, brains, and muscles and help maintain muscle mass as you age. And did I mention that it tastes amazing? Ritual's essential protein is made using delicious handcrafted vanilla flavor using direct from farmer vanilla beans that are sustainably harvested in Madagascar while their peas are sustainably grown and regeneratively farmed right here in the U.S. With no added sugar or sugar alcohols, essential protein is also soy-free, gluten-free and formulated with non-GMO ingredients. So, why not check up your ritual? To make trying something new less scary, Ritual offers a money-back guarantee if you're not 100 percent in love. Plus, my listeners get 10% off during your first three months. Just visit ritual.com forward slash Dr to add essential protein today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr Leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. Oh, I love this. I love what you said today, believing it's to their fault, but the ones that ate the whole the whole food sandwich, their body was satisfied. So they, they, their body used the calories, whereas the other one had hung on because it recognized that it wasn't sufficient. But the mind behind the mind, whole mindset behind it was once again driving how the body responded. And that's so critical when it comes to food.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's many more of these epicaloric controllers, but one I'll share one other.
1: One other, and then we'll have to wrap up and people and people tell people where they can get this fantastic book because really there's just so much incredibly important information that you're sharing. I mean, this is so absolutely. this is totally related to mental health.
0: Yes, of course. Of course. And we talk about that again directly with how does nutrition show up in the data and improving our our mental health, our mental and emotional health as well, our, our, our emotional intelligence which is a big topic today but one of those other epicaloric controllers this is a big part of the conversation today as well but we really dive in deep and make it make sense is the health of our microbiome the makeup of our microbiome as a major impact because our microbiome our microbes are right there front and center to really determine what we do with the calories that we take in and so researchers and this was this was published in the journal cell this is really interesting but what the researchers discovered was that there's a certain strain of bacteria that they found in mice that blocked their intestines from absorbing as many calories from their food. Now, through the lens of, you know, allopathic thinking, like, let's make a pill out of this. That's again, it's the wrong way of thinking, because what about, does that inhibit our our bacteria from making scaffas, you know, our short chain fatty acids in us for us or B12, like, there's always going to be a side effect if we're trying to cut corners but here's what and also, happens.
1: if I can interrupt you there as well, it's also reductionistic thinking. We're not machines that you take one part out and you that parts yeah. missing and you can put it back. Everything's systemic. Everything's related. It's a huge, big spider web. So you can't just think if you take one thing out and you add one thing, it, only, it impacts only that one thing. It's, there's no such thing as precision precision eating or precision medicine. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work like that. And so yeah, that's one to of stress that too. You've got to go holistically.
0: Yeah, there's really this term "side effect" that it's it's a misnomer. It's a direct effect. So what the, and this was from researchers at the Wiseman Institute. They wanted to look at this because, and in, in same thing in my clinical practice, I could have somebody send off for a stool sample to get you know a, a printout back and have a look at like what is their microbiome makeup. And so, and I can tell with a high degree of of certainty whether or not somebody is obese or overweight based on their bacteria makeup, even if I never see him a day in my life. And so, these researchers, knowing this bit of data, we now have identified there's a certain bacteria makeup that's associated with obesity, and a certain bacteria makeup that's associated more so with leanness. And so, they took folks who had that makeup associated with obesity and implanted their microbes into lean mice. And so, and then they took a sample from lean human subjects, so fat bacteria, quote, fat bacteria, and lean bacteria, and implanted that into lean mice. Those mice who were seeing receive the lean bacteria from humans. Stay the same, even though they're on the same diet. The mice who received the quote "fat bacteria" from human test subjects, these mice became insulin resistant. They gained fat, and they ended up jumping over into obesity simply by changing their microbes. Right, and we've got many more human studies affirming this as well. And eat smarter. But one of the big tenets there in the book is to really focus on improving the health of our microbiome, but in real evidence-based ways that can also be fun.
1: Oh no, I love this. Sean, you've hit on some incredibly important points about it. So this is, it's not about a diet. It's not about what food to eat. It's about the whole understanding of what your body needs, how your body works and, and the mind that drives it, the relationship between your mind, your brain and your body and how to feed that in the proper way. So this is not a conventional diet book. It's not a how to feed. It's not another diet book. It's actually teaching people to understand the dangers of the last 40 years of the whole diet movement. That has paralleled the whole sort of psychiatric movement as well we've moved away from the narrative of the person and understanding the holistic nature of the body being based on food and what food really is and what it really does and you 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 basically are reintroducing us to that concept again, so thank you so much. sure, this book is fantastic i really I love this conversation. I feel like we could go on for hours there's like so many things that we haven't actually touched on, like the first breakfast and all kinds of things that uh, that you Talk about, but we definitely need to continue this conversation at some point. So, thank you for joining me today. And where can people get the book, and where can they get hold of you?
0: Perfect. People can find the book anywhere books are sold, so Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target stores, all that good stuff, and of course, Audible. The book is is just exploded on audiobook, and you know, so you can pick it up there as well. And people can connect with me. I'm at themodelhealthshow.com. You know, the Model Health Show is my show. And what you've been on, of course, very grateful to say, you know, it's been the number one health podcast many, many times over the past few years. And we just focus on, we care a lot, you know, and so we provide these master classes on different subjects. And so you can find me at the Model Health Show or themodelhealthshow.com.
1: Wonderful. That's amazing. And last quick question to close up, just a quick question I like to ask people How do you clean up your mental mess?
0: (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Okay. You know, I think that there's this, this is the thing that jumped out the most for me in reading your book and why I was just blown away and just over the moon excited to talk with you. As I mentioned, your one of your earlier books, my daughter and I read like 10 years ago. It was like part of a class that, you know, that she had. And so, you know, we read, but you know, so when I heard your name, I was like, this sounds familiar. But when I read this, it 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 just jumped out as like, I this is some it's so true. And so today more than ever, there's a big, we are inundated with data. There's so much information, but there is a huge lack of real knowledge, you know? So people aren't actually sitting with an idea and processing it and thinking about it, thinking about where does it apply? Where does it not apply? You know, playing with the idea, you know? And so for me, that's really how I clean up my mental mess. I take some of these different concepts and I just, I kick them around in my mind, and you know, just find find that adventure in life. And also, I think a big thing that comes from that that you'll find again and again if you can fall in love with it is that you you start to really understand how little we know and how much of an infinite amount of adventure that we have in front of us.
1: So wonderful! Oh, I love that. That's really fantastic. Love it. Well, Sean, thank you so much for joining me today. And it was just a I loved our conversation. It was such important concepts, and gives another. It gives the it's starting to give the right angle that we should, that's been so messed up. Food's been just so messed up over the last 40 years. It's created so many problems that to bring us back to a healthier way of understanding our our human bodies and food and everything. So thank you for joining me today.
0: Thank you. It's my honor. Thank you.
1: Thanks everyone. We'll see you again soon. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful.